Welcome to episode 25 of the Saturday Morning Gaming Show. It's the retro podcast where we choose one game an episode and share our experiences from the title screen all the way to the credits. On today's holiday episode, we're doing our annual Zelda playthrough, and we're checking out the original Legend of Zelda for this year on the NES. So happy holidays, everyone, and enjoy the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Saturday Morning Gaming Show. It is December 19th, 2020. I am your co-host, the Fat Wizard, joined today by... Alamaxia. And Lobos. And today, gents, can you believe it? We're going back to 1986, checking out The Legend of Zelda on the NES. And uh, boy, I've never beat this game. I got real close. It was a real treat to go back here. Real quick before we get started, because I want to just walk you through something I thought was interesting. We're actually watching the, uh, it's like the little attract screen here where they go through all the items. And it's, I thought it was kind of cool that they start off being like, hey, here's all the items of the game. And as I was, after I beat the game, you know, I edited the footage and I rendered the video out and I watched the intro and I was like, okay, magical rod, key, map, magical key what the <laughs> heck is the magical <laughs> key that mm-hmm. sounds like something i should have gotten so we'll touch on that a little bit here but alamaxia you are de- definitely the resident expert of this so i'm gonna let you start out uh, again lobos and i i've played it but i never beat it lobos this was your first time and then alamaxia is the expert so i think we got a cool range of of experiences here but alamaxia why don't you start us out just talk us about this game in general Oh my, um, really where to start. Uh, so The Legend of Zelda, um, first in the uh, many, many, many uh, iterations of Zelda, and one of the, uh, actually, this Zelda is close to the ending of one of the three timelines of Zelda. Oh no. We're getting no, into we're the timeline stuff? We're not doing that. <laughs> we're not no, doing timelines. We're not going that deep. Record. But I, I, I will give you the overall <laughs> idea of what The Legend of Zelda is. So in The Legend of Zelda, there exists this item called the Triforce. Or, or really, it's a, um, it's a three pieces of, uh, of triangles. Each triangle is a Triforce. You have the Triforce of Wisdom, the Triforce of Power, and the Triforce of Courage. And it is said that whenever all three pieces come together, then whoever touches the fully formed Triforce has their most desired wish come true. And in The Legend of Zelda 1 here, the Triforce of Wisdom, which is Zelda's Triforce, has been broken into eight different shards and placed into the eight dungeons. Ganon has the Triforce of Power, and Link, born with the Triforce of Courage, was sought out by Impa to uh, effectively save Hyrule. So he has to go collect all uh, pieces of the Triforce of Wisdom, face down Ganon, where all three pieces of the Triforce are in the same room, and battle it out for uh, the future. Yeah, and it's a good thing that there's an old man willing to give poor, poor Link a sword, because he kind of just, like, he starts out the adventure. He's, he's <laughs> maybe a little, like, maybe ill-prepared for this journey, right? And I think this is this is as classic of, of a, when you think about openings in games, right? You think about the Zork intro, which is you stand outside of a house with a white mailbox right. or something like yep. that, right? And you think about this one, where it's just, hey, there's a room to go into. 
and you go in there and the old man says, uh, it's dangerous to go alone. Take this. Such a classic line. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. Even if you haven't played Zelda, I think you know that. And you pick up your sword and you go off in, on an adventure. And I think uh, Lobos is someone who, who is coming into it, gosh, what, 35, 25 years in the future. Like, how do you feel like this, this moment held up? Just the idea of like going in, picking up a sword and being like, all right, have fun. Yeah, to be honest, uh, I was way on board with it. I uh, I like when they just throw you into it and they're like, all right, go, do do your thing. You're supposed to do it. And I wasn't really yeah. curious about the old man necessarily. I just said, where's my sword? Oh, there's my sword. Nice. Let's go. <laughs> Going on adventure. Of course, he gives us a yeah. wooden training sword, so not the best. <laughs> hey, but can, it's, it's, it's strong started. enough to kill skeletons, right? That's you true. have to master That's using true. it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a well-known... You know, well-known piece of history that Shigeru Miyamoto, I think he's, again, I don't know his exact role in this. I think he's one of the designers or the designer, said that this game really was influenced by his childhood experiences of just like exploring, right? Going into little caves and just, you know, finding things that are interesting. And that's, you know, in many ways, that's, it is very reminiscent of that. You just like, Hmm. here... Here's a doorway. What's there? Oh, cool. This is, dun- you know, Dungeon 9. How did I get here? I haven't even found Dungeon 2 yet. Yep. <laughs> but I like it. It's, it's you know, in some way, it's an open world game where you can go into dungeons in any order you want. You can't complete them in any order because some of them do have hard gates. You know, you have to get items from other ones. But yeah, I actually found dungeons uh, like 8. Nine and six before I found Dungeon Two. I think Lobos, you kind of mm-hmm. had the same uh, yep. thing, six, right? Six, seven, and nine. I think I found before two. It's kind of surprising to me that you found eight before two because two is so close to eight. So close. Yeah. It, it is very close. But it, it's well. Let's talk a little bit about the overworld in the game because there's mm-hmm. there's sort of two area types of areas. You've got the dungeons which has its own self-contained map. We're in a dungeon right now, uh, Dungeon 1. Mm-hmm. And then there's the overworld. And the overworld is quite big, and you never find a map, right? So you're always lost, although it does show you a general, like you have a mini-map, and it does show you generally where you are, but there's no way to actually view where you are. Unlike in the dungeons, you can find a map, and we ad- actually just picked up a map. Mm-hmm. And now you can see specifically where you are in relation to the dungeon, which is pretty cool. I don't know if you noticed, but each of the dungeons has a, is actually an image. Lobos, right, did you see like that? a shape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and this one, we're in dungeon one, and this one is called the Eagle. Mm. And I think this is, I guess this is officially named. Um, Almaxi, do you know if these are official, like in the manual or something like uh, that? Yeah, these are these are official names that, that are out there. So the Eagle is uh, is official for this one. And so this one is uh, pretty easy. It's it's fun. Again, when I first started this game, I died uh, two or three times getting up to the Eagle Dungeon here. As you just kind of remember, it's like, yeah, this is uh, this is definitely one of those early Nintendo games where things feel a little stiff. And I think coming from thirty years in the future, you're you're used to a little bit more leeway, right? But no, <laughs> you have to you have to learn how to play this game. And inside this dungeon you actually uncover a couple items. You know, you think about modern Zelda games is you go into a dungeon, you pick up one item, and that item is used to kill the boss, more or less, right? Dungeon 1, though, actually gives you two items. It gives you a, a boomerang and a bow. It doesn't give you any arrows. It gives you a bow, right? <laughs> mm. 
but you don't actually need either of those to finish the dungeon, right, Alamaxi? Is that correct? Nope. All you have to do is just have your trusty sword and go up and poke the boss a few times. He doesn't have too much yeah. health. Yeah, and, and the boss, why don't you walk us quickly through the boss and how that boss works? So the bo the first boss, uh, Dungeon 1, is Aquamentus, and it's a dragon that just uh, kind of patrols back and forth on the right side of the room, doesn't really move around a whole lot. He himself is not a threat, but he will shoot out uh, three fireballs in kind of a cone at you, and they'll the middle fireball will track where you are, or where oh. you are whenever it fires off, and the other one just kind of cone off to the top and bottom. And you just have to dodge those, run up, and poke them in the head with your sword. Not, not too difficult. So not too bad. Yeah, mm -hmm. and especially if you have full hearts. Because when you have full hearts, your sword... I, I guess the idea is you have the master sword, or... What, what are we calling this? The ability to actually shoot like a projectile from your sword. Is that... So I, I like to think of that as kind of being um, an ability that the Triforce gives Link. Um, because, oh, yeah, okay. That makes sense. Because he, he has a sword, and whenever he's fully powered, fully lifed up, he can shoot out this extra beam, and, and that, that extra beam that he shoots out whenever he's at full health is uh, something that goes throughout many of the future Zeldas. Um, it eventually goes into a, a magic-based system. Okay. And uh, what's nice about that is, uh, and I use that for killing the first boss here, is you can kind of stand far away from your enemy and just plink him with the sword. And then if you, if you get hit, then you have to close the distance and actually hit him you have to be in melee range, so you're kind of putting yourself at danger a little bit here. But after you kill that boss, he drops a heart container, which you may choose to pick up or not. I think that's really cool. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's all sorts of speedrunning categories, like low percent or whatever, that actually, yeah. you know, says you're not allowed to pick those up, so some people don't. And you can stay at three hearts <laughs> the entire game. But yeah, you, you pick up that heart container, and now you're at four hearts assuming that it was your first uh, dungeon you completed. And then you go in and you pick up the first piece of Triforce and you hold it over your head triumphantly. And uh, then you actually walk out of the dungeon and you move on to the next one. And again, they don't really give you direction. And I spent a lot of time just trying to like scout around the forest and figure out what to do. I think by the time I completed the first dungeon, I had enough money it costs 60 rupees, rupees being the currency in this game. Mm -hmm. For 60 rupees, you can get yourself a blue candle. And mm -hmm. uh, Lobos, I think you, you you had some fun with that candle trying to figure out how that worked, right? No, I did that pretty <laughs> early. And then, uh, yeah. yeah, so if you've heard of the game, Bind The Binding of Isaac, uh, it's very yeah. heavily inspired by Zelda. Even like the, the room structure, how you're kind of dungeon crawling a lot of the the items that you pick up as well and so i was familiar enough with that and uh it, it works a little differently from the original zelda but basically the, the candle will shoot out a flame that kind of very quickly grinds to a halt and then if it lands in an eligible burnable location then it'll burn away a generally bush. like a yeah, yeah generally bush yeah generally bush it'll it'll burn away and then you can reveal a secret yeah Usually Sometimes a staircase. Sometimes secrets are useful. Mm -hmm. You walk it. You walk into one, and there's a guy. I think usually they're either little orc guys. I guess moblins, I think is what mm, they are, mm -hmm. or they old, they're old men. And sometimes they'll say it's a secret to everyone. I think that's one of the lines, and you'll get secret some, to everybody. some amount of yeah, everybody. Very, yeah. And some, and, and I think there's one that even says like, 
pay me for burning down my front door. Yes, <laughs> there's, just, lose there's a good number of caves and uh, burnable bushes in the game that they're hidden. Like you wouldn't normally just be able to walk into them, but if you burn down the wrong, like if you burn down the tree or you bur- or you blow open their uh, their cave door, they mm-hmm. walk in. They say, "Hey, pay me for that door you just broke." And you have to <laughs> give them twenty rupees. Wow. I didn't find any that I had to pay. All of them just gave me stuff. So, yeah, I got lucky. (laughs) So after that, we move on to Dungeon 2, which is called The Moon. And we actually find ourselves in Upgraded Boomerang, which is really cool. So we find uh, in in Dungeon 1, there are these orange moblins, and they use this orange boomerang. And then Dungeon 2, you find these blue moblins. And generally, blue things are more strong than, or stronger than orange things. That's just kind of the pattern they yeah. use. And once you kill all the blue moblins in this room, they drop a blue boomerang. And this blue bo- boomerang will travel through the entire length of the screen, whereas the orange one only travels like maybe halfway across mm. the screen. So it's an upgrade to some degree. It takes longer to get back if you miss stuff. Um, but yeah, I think that's also a really cool thing where it's like, all right, here you go. You get a boomerang. And boom, here's a boomerang upgrade. Did you guys pay attention to the color of boomerangs the uh, Gorias use? Those uh, those moblins inside of dungeons. Did you notice that when you had the the uh, wooden boomerang, they were orange. Once you got the blue boomerang, ah. they all turned blue. Mm. Oh, is they, that just yeah, like okay. the sprite that's loaded or whatever? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> nice, smart, smart. <laughs> and we just killed. Uh, we just killed the end boss here. We found a secret room in level two. And the see, the old man says, like, I think it's like Dodongo, is that his name? Yep. yep. Dodongo hates smoke. Dislikes smoke, yeah. Dislikes smoke. And I think, do we also get bombs in this dungeon? Mm-hmm. The room right before you fight Dodongo, after you call the Gorias, they uh, drop one. Nice. Yeah. And so you'd be like, all right, well, you can do two things, I believe. Alamaxia... Can you walk us through how bombs affect Dodongo here? So a couple different ways you can uh, hurt Dodongo. One of them is using the clue that he dislikes smoke. So you have a bomb blow up right in front of him, and that kind of causes him to pause, and you can damage him a little bit with your sword. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, um, the more traditional way that people like to defeat Dodongo is just drop a bomb in his mouth twice. So as he's, as he's kind of patrolling around the room, he... He himself, again, he's not much of a threat. He, d- he doesn't have any projectiles. He just walks around. So get in front of yeah. him and boop, drop a bomb, make him eat it. Yep. The one thing I noticed was that if you kill him by him consuming bombs, he doesn't drop anything. But if you use the smoke method, then he drops bombs, which yeah, okay. so I kept trying to kill him by dropping the bombs. And, you know, they're not super predictable because you'll maybe you'll put it in front of him and then they immediately turn away and. And you don't get yeah. the smoke in his face. And also kind of positioning that explosion to hit them just right. It was a little tricky. So I'd often waste more bombs to get the loot, uh, the bomb <laughs> loot. But it was, yeah, I tried. <laughs> yeah, I actually want to follow up with that. And I, I do feel like that was a, a downward spiral in some ways. To me, it reminded me of gambling. And here, here's what I mean, right? So often what would happen is I would I'd like get hit by an enemy and I'm down to I'm down half a heart. I'm like, okay, so I just need to go kill another enemy and then get a you know a heart yep. and then I'll be at full heart. Yep. And so I'm like, all right, well, let me go kill an enemy. And I'm like, okay, well, I got hit by another another enemy, so now I need two hearts. All right, <laughs> let me go. And then and I end up like going down to half a heart. I'm like, man, this was just a terrible idea. And I don't know if you guys found out like also experienced that, but that that seemed like more often than not. 
hunting for hearts ended up <laughs> getting me killed. Hunting for hearts can definitely be a problem. There is uh, one trick I can offer that there are actually um, mobs have drop uh, loot tables. Mm-hmm. And there's, I think, four different groups of mobs that share loot tables. So you can basically predict what the next drop is going to be based on what your previous uh, yes. ones are. That's right. Yeah, so I did find... Okay, so let's talk a little bit about some of the secret messages in this game. Just because a lot of them are... I, I'm not sure if translated poorly <laughs> or or just they, they could mean many different things. So one of the <laughs> last... In, in I think it was Dungeon 8 or 9, you meet a, a character and he says, 10th enemy holds the bomb. And you're like, what does that <laughs> even mean? Yeah. And so... But that, that is a big clue... And speedrunners use that, but I don't think even if you you could imagine what that means, I don't I, I don't see how you could use that. So Lobos, did you figure out what that meant? Well, uh, I think people mentioned to me that every so so many uh, enemies that you kill is a guaranteed bomb drop, which is what that's saying, right? Under specific conditions, oh, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Very yeah. conditions. Yeah, mm. Alamaxi, why don't you walk us through those conditions? The conditions are you must kill 10 enemies without getting hit and then kill the 10th enemy with a bomb. Oh. Yeah. So it is so specific. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, that's not exactly. I mean, okay, old man, you were about half right on that one. So uh, the other, I want to talk about some of the other ones because I wanted to look up like what this meant. And and I saw on the internet, they're like, it could be one of anything, uh, one of many things. So one of them was, Eastmost Peninsula holds the secret. Right. And yes. I, I heard variances of everything between, oh, it's telling you where the first dungeon is to there's a heart container yep. on the right side. And so mm-hmm. it's like, it, it seems like there's not a consensus or not one that I could deduce from this. Another one was talking about like a dead end. It was something about like a, a tree. It's a, a tree. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like dead end yeah. tree. And some people said, oh, that's telling you where dungeon number eight is. Some other people are saying that's where you can go gambling. So I think that's uh, it's kind of interesting. I don't know. Mm. Al Maxi, do you have a preference on uh, how you interpreted these? I, I really like to interpret the eastmost peninsula as a key and the um, and the tree one as the uh, as kind of both the same area, that very upper right corner of the map where you find that gambling hall within the tree. And then there's a secret there's a secret room just north of the tree where you can actually walk mm. on top of the cliff and it takes you up to one of those um one of those moblins that gives you 100 rupees. Yeah. And oh, I I think that's kind of I I really think that's the one that they're kind of alluding to because those 100 rupee moblins are really almost necessary in this game because there's a handful <laughs> of items that you must purchase from shops. Yeah, and we actually did pick up one I didn't know that it was necessary, and it's sort of a secret shop, I'd say. It's a piece of food. Right. And it looks like... Uh, it's like Castlevania like a, wall a, meat or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I picked that up, and I'm like, okay. I initially thought it was it was a healing thing. Right. And so I was like, all right. But then I looked in the manual, and I think in the manual <laughs> it says it attracts enemies. And so I, I couldn't find what enemies it attracts. I, I didn't find it a very useful item. But luckily, I did purchase it because we'll need it later on. Lobos, did you pick it up right away as well? Nope. But as soon as the I was kind of given an in-game clue that I needed it, oh, okay. I knew what I needed. I was ready because I didn't buy it because I was like, okay, I fig- this restores health. So that's what I'll buy to restore yeah. health. I don't know what the meat's for. And then, yeah. 
it was pretty obvious right away. Luckily, I didn't buy it and like use it and waste a bunch of money or anything. But yeah, uh, we'll get to that because I I mm-hmm. kind of interpreted that clue a little bit better. We just finished Dungeon Three. This um this level is called the Manji. I, I think is the official name. I th- mm-hmm. also heard it described as like magic or something like this. Mm-hmm. I will say the uh, I, I don't want to talk too much about it, but it does it does have a if you look at the the map image, it may be um <laughs> it, it is it is the Buddhist version of the uh, of the swastika. It is a swastika. Ah, it goes the other way, but okay. it is the Buddhist version. Right. Ah, uh, okay. Still think maybe uh, Nintendo probably wouldn't allow that, but um, <laughs> yeah, that would you know, fly today. Yeah, still, it, yeah, it wouldn't fly today. Uh, so after that, I, I got the clue from Dungeon Three. I think he, there's a guy that says, um, "Have you talked to the man in the waterfall?" Is that, is that right? Something like that. And I think that basically gives you a clue to the next dungeon. Yeah, it's either three to four or four to five. I, th- I think it's I think it, it, was, to four. it was four to five is uh was the waterfall clue. Oh, okay, okay, okay. okay. Oh no, I think he said something about like meeting man a man the on the top. Of, yeah. yeah, or something like that. It basically it basically said, "Hey, go get the next sword, dummy." <laughs> and so Alamaxia, uh, I got the white sword. I don't know what it's called. What's that called? Uh, I think it is just called the white sword. Cool. Yeah, uh, nailed it first try. Very What's basic. the requirements for for this one? Uh, master using it, and you can have this. <laughs> yeah, what does that actually mean? Uh, what that means is uh, you have to master using the sword by proving your worth to him by collecting two heart containers. So you have to have a total oh, so of only five heart. heart containers. Okay. In order to okay. pick that sword up. Easy. Okay, so it's uh, yeah, you can get it pretty early on in the game. I'm assuming you have to beat dungeon, at least a dungeon. Nope. Um, or at least two dungeons. <laughs> nope. There are nope. there are um, heart containers that you can get overworld with yeah. only bombs, and you can get bombs without going into a dungeon. In fact, oh. there's a there's a very powerful item you can get before even going into the, your first dungeon that will uh, let you take only half damage. But I know we're going to mm. get to that one later on. That I, one. I got that very a bunch of early. Yeah, yeah. You're talking about the blue ring, the right? The blue ring. Yes. Yeah, you have to farm farm some money there. Yep. Uh, which I eventually do. Now, so we are in Dungeon 4, and I saw this enemy called Like Likes, which basically looks like a stack of pancakes. <laughs> and I, this is one of these things where I misremembered. So, like, having played this game and then forgetting about it for 20 years worked in my, <laughs> uh, to my deficit because I remembered that these things would eat your shield. Right. Mm-hmm. And and I, I remember also that the shop sells your shield. I didn't realize the so- shop actually sold like an upgraded version. So yeah. I was under the assumption that if these guys ate you, they would eat your normal shield and thus, you, thus you'd be shieldless. But that's not the case. They only eat your magical shield. So mm. I was playing a little too cautious about that. Kind of like, you know, having the old like, I think this is how that works. Yeah. But I don't want to, I don't want to actually... Test it out. Now, Lobos, did you ever buy the magical shield? I did. I So I had the same exact thought uh, with how the like-likes functioned. I think there is okay. a game where they eat your shield, even your most basic, and then you run around without a shield. Ooh. But I, I yeah. don't remember that. It might have been Link's Awakening, actually. But anyways, so I spent most of the game not having bought the shield because I would be I would save my rupees up for other things, and sure. I didn't really care too much. But I eventually bought it, and then... About two minutes later, it got eaten. And I was like, okay, <laughs> all right. <laughs> and it's expensive. I think yeah. the cheapest one you can get is 80 rupees, right? Uh, something like right that. I didn't, I didn't buy another one. It, it's it's worth having, though, because it can deflect the fireballs that are shooting at you oh, from yeah. all angles. We'll, we'll get there. The, the we, we don't want to spoil Whoa. going forward. But yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> and uh, rupees aren't 
are, are, are somewhat hard to come by. Most enemies, if they drop rupees, they'll drop one a single rupee. Occasionally, they'll drop a another rupee, which is five rupees. But yeah, if you want to farm eighty rupees to buy your shield, you're probably looking unless you you know unless you use optimal strats, you're probably mm -hmm. looking at a good 15, 20 minutes of farming, just kind of moving around from area to area. Yeah. yeah. So we're on dungeon four now. This one's called the snake. And it brings back one of the bosses that we had already fought. I don't know what it's called, uh, but it's kind of like a hungry, hungry Man hippo thing. Manhandala? Man yes. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Perfect. And Alamaxi, when you walk us through uh, how this thing works? Manhandala? So he's just, uh, he looks like just a little, a little node with a bunch of crab pincers on north, south, east, west sides of him. So he just goes around the room and shoots fireballs at you like crazy. And what you have to do is be able to uh, destroy all the claws on him. And you can do so by poking away at him with a sword or my personal favorite, if you can time a bomb just right and, uh, get, and get the bomb to explode on his center mass, it'll kill all the all the pincers in one yeah, blow. Nice. You can see I'm trying to do that right now and not having <laughs> oh, great results. There you go. go. You got three. Uh, yeah, I got him. I got him. Yeah, it took, it took about five hearts there. Uh, <laughs> I, I will say that, you know, it's really fascinating watching speedrunners. Oh, this is where they say walk into the waterfall uh, up near uh, near the end of level four. It's great watching speedrunners play this game because they they know the movement patterns here and they they are able to time for the most part those bomb drops very well. I think one of the difficulties for the the movement and the, the AI movement here is it just seems so random. Hmm. And uh, Alamaxi, is there actually patterns or is it is it basically like each grid? So each grid is about the size of Zelda, right? And each it's it almost looks like every time they hit a new grid that they decide I'm going to either go straight or change directions. Mm. I I think it kind of depends on the mob. Some of them are a lot more erratic in their direction changing and some of them are absolutely random in the direction they go and some of them will m more probable turn toward Link. Yeah, um, yeah. Okay. Like in Dungeon 3 we yeah. had to fight the orange dark nuts and dark nuts are notorious for chasing Link down and not letting him get any damage on them. Yeah, well, we're going to definitely talk about those later. Can we talk about those electric enemies, those electric balls? I think they're called bubbles, the bubbles. right? Bubbles, yeah, bubbles, yes. Those are awful in this game, except that yes. it took me to like dungeon six or seven to realize that they actually don't deal damage to you. Yeah, but they don't deal damage. it's almost worse. They don't. But it's almost worse because they disable you using your weapon for like two seconds. So yeah. if you're trying to fight other things, and they also chase you very aggressively if you're if they're nearby, they'll just they'll come right at you. So mm -hmm. Ugh, is... I, I will say, and it's probably not worth trying to do this, but because they they don't do damage to you, but they still trigger your invulnerability. Right. So every time you get hit, you you are invulnerable for a couple seconds. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And even though you can't attack, you could still use things like bombs or use your candle or bow and arrow. So you could right. technically get hit, be invulnerable, and just kind of face tank other enemies and try to you know, burn them down with your bombs or whatever. And that is a speedrun strat. Ah. Oh, it, oh okay. Nice. There you go. That's really cool. That is, that's called damage boosting. Oh, yeah, damage boosting, yeah. Yeah, yeah just the fact that you can't use your sword, though. I, I don't know if there's a way that they uh, manage to use the sword, but yeah, that, that was kind of annoying, so... I got really frustrated with those guys. <laughs> we completed Dungeon 4, which is the snake. Uh, did we pick up an item here, Alamaxia? Uh, back in Dungeon 4, we picked up the oh, ladder. Oh, yeah, we got the stepladder. The ladder. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah, and so that allows you to, as we were, I was talking about earlier when I was speaking about what 
eastmost peninsula holds a secret may be, there is a a heart container just sitting out there, and they look like there's two little like rafts, and so you use that that uh, ladder to like bridge the gaps between the rafts. That's actually a hard gate for I think all dungeons five and above do require the use of that step ladder to actually step over mm. some uh, lava or water or something that is separating one side of the room from the other. I think that is a necessi- uh, necessary item to complete dungeons. Is that correct, Almax? Or are there other ways to do uh, so? I think five and seven are the only ones. Five, seven, and nine are the only ones after that that you have to cross water. Mm. Uh, six and eight, I don't think have it. But otherwise, yeah, there there is no other way around that. The, okay. The, no other way without using some major glitches <laughs> that you wouldn't want to try. <laughs> now, I was just in the graveyard because, yeah. again, my as a child, I was like, I'm pretty sure there was something. Uh, actually, there's there's a, a riddle somewhere that says, meet the old man in the graveyard. Mm. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. I think there's a master sword up there. And so if you touch the graves, most graves, when you touch them, will spawn uh, a ghost. Mm-hmm. And I found one in the upper left corner that did not. And I was like, okay, I think this is the one that the master sword is under, but I can't move it. I'm like, okay... When, oh, yeah, isn't there like a power bracelet? I'm like, yeah, I think that there's a power bracelet which will allow me to move heavier items. So I'm thinking, all right, well, I have to go to one of the dungeons and I get the power bracelet and that's what allows me to get that master sword. And I think I even commented on that in the Discord and Alamax, he's like, I can't wait to chat about you on this. <laughs> but mm. I did watch Lobos's stream and Lobos was on a completely different section. It's the rightmost section. Yep. And he managed to just push it open. I was like, oh, crap. I made some assumptions <laughs> here that weren't right. Uh, why don't you walk us through? We don't have the Master Sword yet, but we'll get it soon yep. enough. Alamax, why don't you walk us through the requirements to get the Master Sword? Much like the White Sword, uh, the requirements to get the Magical Sword are all purely heart based for this for this one i believe it's uh 13 hearts or i think think it's 13 hearts is what you need and the earliest you can get it is uh prior to going into dungeon five okay and we are in dungeon five right now and we just got a a little secret message that said dig dogger hates a special a certain sound right Mm -hmm. Uh, yes i remember there's a specific item uh lobos did you I want to get a sense from someone that hadn't yep. played this game. Mm-hmm. What did you think? When you saw it, did you see that clue, first of all? I did see the clue, absolutely, before I reached the, the boss or anything. and I, yeah, I What did you think that meant? I didn't know right away, but after a little bit of experimentation, I did realize and remember on my own thinking about the items that displayed on the, the beginning oh, of the game, the attraction. Yeah. Then I was like, wait a minute, there's a thing. Yeah. So then I was like, I need to go find a thing. I think I actually left the dungeon (laughs) to go and try and find it, but I think it ends up being in the dungeon. Yeah, it is. And what's really interesting is this is the only boss room you go into and the door remains open. Yep. And so, and, and actually you can't kill it when you first see it. And and I think that's a clue where it's like, Hey, you don't have the item you need yet Mm -hmm. to be able to complete this. Now I will say I had a heck of a time actually completing dungeon five. Because one of the things I think we're going to get to in a bit, one of the things that you have to do is you meet the blue dark nuts. <laughs> and uh, the, the dark nut is a very difficult enemy. It's based, it's, it's, you know, it's heavily armored and you cannot hit it from the front. You can only hit it from the sides and you can hit it with bombs. I don't think you can, you, you can't use fire. You can't use your arrows. Is there any other mechanism for killing them, Alamaxia? Sword and bombs. That's what you got. Yeah, and that's all you get. And and again, 
I only have eight <laughs> bombs here, and I walked into yeah. a room that has five of these blue dark knots, and they probably take between like two and three bombs each if you were to do them one at a time. So again, speed run tactics, you want to try to group them together and drop them there. Uh, but this room just, it, this I could see is easily a speed run killer. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just, you, because what you have to do is, let's talk a, a quickly about secrets because th- this is a dead end room, uh, but you do see stairs down. You can't figure out how to get there. And uh, what you need to do is kill all the enemies here. And once you kill all the enemies, you can move the brick out of the way. And that will allow you to access this secret. Um, but it's, yeah, it's it's quite painful. So I ended up leaving the dungeon, dungeon number five. I saved up enough money. I got myself a blue ring. Mm. Lobos, when did you pick up that blue ring? I picked up the blue ring pretty early because, like I said, oh. I ran into the uh, second dungeon pretty late. So I had already pretty heavily explored the, uh, well, not not where the dungeons are apparently, but I, I explored, you know, around and I went to Northwest very early. I actually, there's a, uh, there's a puzzle there that you get a clue for, or you actually, there's a, there's a witch, I think that sells, that has like a, basically a cost of rupees. Um, what is it? 10, 30, 50, I think. And yeah. if you give her some rupees, she'll comment. And the, the amount that you're supposed to give her is 30 if you do 10, she says, that's not enough. And if you do 50, she says, boy, you're rich, which yeah, is I love immediately that what I did, of course. Yeah. I was like, well, I'm going to get rid of the most expensive one because I have just that much. And that's the one you're like, oh, the best information is the most expensive always, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> that's where they get you. But anyways, uh, she gives you a basically a, a pass, uh, an order of directions for this maze where it looks like you're yeah. just kind of hitting the same screen over and over but if you go in the right directions, it allows you to go by. That's where you get to the graveyard and the later stuff. That one I actually brute forced um, pretty <laughs> pretty quickly because it was it was just alternating every direction basically uh, up up left down left I think or something like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. It's not too hard. Yeah, yeah. There's another one that I did not manage to brute force, but I was close. But uh, anyways, uh, that was a long way of getting over <laughs> to. What I was saying, which I, now I don't even remember what I was saying. You were so. talking about you, you were a filthy rich and you got the blue ring very early. Yes, yes. So beyond that area, you find the blue ring in a shop. It's 250 rupees. And I was like, I'm getting that. So I saved all my <laughs> rupees from then on. Yeah. I mean, it's super yeah, that expensive. awesome. It, it turns your little tunic. You start out with the tunic. With, I guess it's kind of like a tan, tannish green. And then uh, you, when you pick up the blue ring, you actually turn blue, mm. and things do half as much as damage, which is super nice. Because by the time I'm in dungeon nice. five, some things are, t- are doing two points of damage to me, so that means that uh, I can kind of face tank things a little bit more, and, and that's kind of what I yeah. do. I never felt I was getting better at this game. I always <laughs> just felt that I was getting, I was just throwing more and more resources at it. Yeah, that's one way though. Yeah, it, yeah, it works. One of yeah. the resources you can use. With uh, with enough money, you can basically get a, a health potion that restores all your health. And so I basically use that. Go deep into the dungeon and be like, all right, I'm far enough. Let's go ahead and burn that heal yeah. and continue exploring. And it has two uses on it, too, which is super nice. The, yeah, like, the, it's a, the red one it's a has red two. potion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. The red turns into a blue, and then the blue yeah. has uh, one. And then it goes back to, it goes back to like the letter, which an old man gave you earlier he says show this to the old woman right Ah, yes and you go and then this old woman won't talk to you unless you show her this note and then mm-hmm. once you show her a note then she'll she'll sell uh some some uh potions for you oh link had to get the prescription <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's right that's right 
I did find Dungeon 9 by accident here, uh, so I kind of <laughs> noped out of that one. It's also worth <laughs> noting that all of the dungeons have the same music except for dungeon number 9, which has a more nefarious music. <laughs> you know when you get in there. Yes, yeah, you know, like, oh, this is trouble. Yeah. Once you get mm-hmm. out, uh, uh, we finished Dungeon 5. You basically uh, blow on the whistle, which I guess, you know, this is being the first Zelda actually is the uh, the basis of the series of uh, future musical instruments, right? Mm-hmm. Actually, I'm trying to remember if Zelda 2 has any musical instruments. Uh, there's You use a flute at one point. Okay, okay. So uh, we use here uh, a flute, and it kind of acts, I guess it's a whistle, and mm-hmm. it, it actually, uh, what was it, Dig Dogger, whatever his name was, yeah. if you use that, he he kind of loses his invulnerability and turns into a much smaller version of him. Pretty easy fight after that. You just got to stab him with the sword a couple times. And then when you get out into the overworld, you'll find if you blow on the whistle, it actually warps you around to all of the different dungeons you've found. Or actually, what? How, how does it warp you around to different dungeons, Alamaxia? So it'll warp you to the dungeons you've completed. And you can oh, you can control okay. what direction it takes you. Like uh, if you can think of going to, through the dungeons in, in some linear fashion, if you look, if you make Link look to the right and blow the whistle, it'll take you to the next dungeon. If you that's if you so look to awesome. the left and blow the whistle, it'll take you to the previous dungeon. If you look up or down, mm-hmm. take you to a random one. Oh, interesting. That makes me so upset. That would be so cool <laughs> if I would have known that. There's a lot of depth here that I I, I love about this game. Yeah. It's just the things you don't notice. Like that magical key that I, I never picked up. I'm pretty sure Lobos never picked up <laughs> I did not either. pick up that magical we, key. Nope. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that, but uh, boy. So I found Dungeon 6, and this is basically where the difficulty throws you in a fire and stomps on you because you encounter Wizrobes. Oh, Wizrobes. Uh, ah, There's pain. two variants of Wizrobes. Alamaxia, I don't want to experience... And I even tried to throw down the meat. I was like, all right, maybe I throw down the meat. The wizard hopes will... No, they don't care about the meat. (laughs) Take the meat and leave me alone. Alamaxia, walk us through these whips robes because I'm going to start curling up into a ball here. Oh, whiz robes are such... They are probably the most difficult enemy to deal with in this entire game because there's two different styles of them. You have the orange and the blue whiz robe. Ah, orange and blue. Orange is the easier of them. They will just randomly disappear and reappear around the, around the room and shoot out a magical uh, whoop beam at you. Uh, they alone aren't too bad. The blue ones are the horrible ones, though. The blue ones will constantly move around the room. They're quite quick, and instead of disappearing and reappearing in another location, they'll kind of phase themselves across the yep. room, and when they do that, they can hurt you with their phasing. It... it Mm-hmm. It gets to be absolutely chaotic when you have three blue whiz robes moving around the room at once and three orange whiz robes bouncing around, firing their whoops at you. <laughs> there, there's, no, there's no getting out of there without taking damage. This is where I, I wish that I just had like a submachine gun so I could close my <laughs> eyes, hold down the trigger and spin around. Yeah, and also, I, I don't know if you noticed this as well, uh, Lobos, is the orange whiz robes, you know, they'll disappear and reappear. But their hitbox actually is active even before they reappear. So you can be walking, and all of a sudden, boop, you get hit uh, by running into uh, one of the orange whiz robes even before 
uh, it appears. So <laughs> I, I re- again, uh, as a kid, I remember I'm like, I feel like I did a dungeon out of order. And sure enough, I was like, let's let's move on to dungeon seven. We'll come back to dungeon <laughs> six. The one thing I was going to mention on the whiz robes is that uh, in one or two very trouble troublesome spots, I managed to find a couple spots where they will phase into like these blocks on the ground and they will just kind of repeatedly path trying to phase over these blocks and trying to hit oh, me. Wow. And so I use that to sort of cheese them and hit them while they're doing that because they wouldn't uh, they wouldn't reveal themselves and then start shooting at me unless they were, you know, in line with me. So <laughs> I, I it, it was kind of inconsistent, but it worked well enough that yeah. it made things a lot easier. I'm I'm upset that you found a strategy. <laughs> there is one way to make with rose generally a little easier. Oh, and that's to have a magical shield because it'll block their yes, food. yes. Ah, yeah, sure. Which the like likes will eat, and sometimes yep. <laughs> they'll throw they'll throw the like likes in the room with the wizard robes. Mm. Uh, boy. All right, so let's talk about Dungeon Seven again. I remembered the trick here, but I'm curious because there's, as far as I know, actually, no, there is a clue. There is absolutely a clue for this. Lobos, did you find the clue on how to find Dungeon 7? Uh, Wait, how, where was Dungeon 7 again? I don't remember. You remember there, you have to blow the warp, wi- the, the whistle in the, um, the area without the ferry. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, they said something about, what did they say? Yeah, where the fairies don't live or something like that. And yeah, yeah there's, there's, was, two, yeah. there's two ponds next to each other, kind of not yeah. directly next to each other on separate screens, but you go down and you go up the other side and... There's one with fairy, one without. And yeah, I figured that one out, luckily. Just, oh, just, you figured it out on mm, your own. That's mm. that's pretty impressive. Well, congratulations on that. So the uh, those electric... Well, they have electric variants of those bubbles in later Zeldas that are called anti-fairies. So <laughs> that kind of put me on a on a weird track. I was like, hmm, uh, yeah. anti-fairies, <laughs> huh? But that's that's not in this game. So we're, we're in Dungeon 7 now, which is called the Demon. And here's the, the part that we were talking about earlier, where there's an individual, uh, one of the orange moblins, and he is not hostile, and he just nah, says, yes. grumble, grumble. Mm. And when I went there, I was thinking this was like a disgruntled employee who's just like, <laughs> rah, 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 rah. and so I couldn't, I was like, what the heck is going on here? And then I left the screen. I'm like, wait a minute. Oh, maybe that's his stomach. Yeah. Oh, I wonder if I can feed him food. Did you figure that out right away, Lobos? I as soon as I saw Grumble Grumble, I said, "Okay, I gotta go get the food." So then I okay. So you made the association it. with him being hungry right away. Yeah, yeah. Ah, that's cool. That's cool. And I think uh, this is a real tricky one because for the most part, things are pretty clear about how you would progress. Like sometimes you won't have a dungeon, an item from a dungeon, and you know you'll go and find it. But this is one where. If you miss that food, man, this would have been hard as heck to try to figure out how to get get past, right? Yeah, and there's what was there? How many? Do you know how many vendors there are that give you the meat, Alamaxion? Oh, I thought there's just one. I think it is just the one. Is it just I the think one? It's just the one that s- sells it's the, the secret, blue ring. Yeah, it's a secret yeah, one. It's hidden underneath like a statue guy, right? Yep. Yeah. 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 So if you don't find that, good luck. Yeah. And this is a uh, you know I, I think. It's frustrating, I think, now for us to play games and not being able to progress. But man, this was a hallmark of games like this where you'd go into <laughs> school and like Lisa would tell you, she's like, I know how to do it, but I'm not going to tell you unless you tell me <laughs> something in Mario or something. And you'd trade secrets, right? right? Or it's like, yeah, oh man, did you totally. hear that Mitch beat the game? And you're like, oh, and then they're the popular kid. And that's so cool. I, don't right? know. I love right? moments like that. And these are the things that you would talk about. 
or draw your own maps. That that's the yeah. thing that I yeah. loved doing yeah. with these old Zelda games was yeah. <laughs> in the overworld drawing my maps, marking where the uh, where the hidden items were <laughs> and I still remember when I was like 6 years old going around the game and literally trying to burn every single tree in the game <laughs> yeah. with yeah. a blue candle because I wasn't good enough to get to the red one. Um mm. Yeah, we just got we just got the red candle which makes that easier, but yeah, the blue candle you can shoot out once and then you have to leave the screen and come back. Uh, so when you've got a forest of like 50 trees, that takes a while. Red candle, uh, now I can, you know, you can use and, and shoot as many times as you want. So now it's kind of become almost a weapon where it's, it's, it's a usable mm -hmm. and now a lot easier to find that stuff. Uh, and then we, we do complete that dungeon and we fight, uh, what was that called? What was that boss called? Aquamentus. Aquamentus. Aquamentus, which was basically something we already fought before, maybe a little more challenging i like to think of dungeon seven as being like this kind of difficulty reprieve where the enemies aren't difficult but they really up the dungeon logic like you have to start thinking yeah. about bombing walls more and there's a lot more going from secret stair to secret stair than the other ones had so it's really yeah, preparing i really you. enjoyed dungeon seven like after dungeon five which was kind of hard and dungeon six <laughs> which was oh gosh this hurts <laughs> Dungeon 7 was like, oh, that was relaxing. And it reminds <laughs> me of how, how fun Dungeon 1 through 4 was because it, it's not particularly hard. It's just it's fun to go through and, and check out all the areas and find those secrets and find your items. So Yeah, so in that in Dungeon 7, they give you some sort of clue like it's in the nose or something like that. Yeah, it's a secret in the tip of the nose. Secret in the tip of the nose. And I, at this point, I, I realized that like the, the maps were shaped like things. So I was like, okay, right, go to the nose. And the room that is the, at the tip of the nose is this annoying room again with these electric enemies although less annoying now that i realize that they don't hurt you but yeah. there's just this big kind of c shape of blocks and you're like all right well there's there's some secret here and i tried bombing so i guess i have to push every single block and they're these electric things are just chasing you the whole time <laughs> i was like <laughs> yeah oh. But man, you managed to. It's the very middle one uh, on the sea, which is kind of the farthest away one and, and tougher to get to. But it just opens up a secret staircase to, to progress. And there are mobs in that room that we didn't really talk about earlier. I want to mm, touch true. on. They're called wall masters, and they are only <laughs> yeah. in a few uh, areas of this game. They do make returns in uh, the later Zeldas. But what they do is if you get touched by one of them, they grab you and pull you through the wall and take you right back to the beginning of the dungeon. Huzzah. Which can be quite have annoying. Fun. It can be, especially because they are often placed at the very end of the dungeon. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I wanted to go back to what you're talking about with some of those secrets. As going through again, uh, kind of understanding, you know, game design more as you as you know as you play video games a lot, you start to realize some of the patterns. Mm. And I think it's absolutely brilliant that you can almost tell when a secret is around because they they telegraph it very well. For instance. Mm -hmm. Uh, so let's say you go into an area and it's a dead end and there's a bunch of enemies there. And when you kill the enemies, a bomb drops and you're like, yeah, yeah. Huh, why'd they give me this bomb? Yeah. And so you're like, I'm going to bomb all the walls. And more often than not, guess what? Secret. Or sometimes uh, again, you hit a dead end, bunch of enemies and nothing will spawn, but there's a bunch of blocks around and you're like, what mm -hmm. if there's a, a, I push on one of the block. Yeah. I, I think that's so cool. And it's like. I think that, that that type of stuff almost forms, in my mind, the basis of of how you telegraph secrets in a way that players can pick up if they're savvy enough, right? Right. And it yeah. makes it so it's not just a guessing game, but you're like, oh, yeah, I bet I bomb here. And yep, sure enough, that's how you progress in the dungeon. And it allows you to have those areas where you have to have, like they they do put areas where 
in order to progress, you have to find the secret. There's no, you know, there's no crit path. The crit path is find the secret. And right, I yeah. love that. And it's not often games do that anymore. We didn't show this, but uh, we did find in Dungeon 6 after completing it, you get the, the uh, magical wand, rod, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, magical rod, which mm-hmm, will mm-hmm, shoot. Mm-hmm. It'll shoot basically the same thing that the wizard's robes will shoot at you. And so I was like, great, finally I can use these to kill the dark nuts. Darn it, it doesn't work against them. So. <laughs> nope. And then in Dungeon 8, real early in Dungeon 8, you find a book. And what that does, that book adds uh, a, fi- a little bit of fire to your um, your wizrobe. Or, yeah, your wizrobe attack. Almaxia, walk me through this one again. Set me up the scene here because this... So, <laughs> so this is probably one of the most painful rooms in the entire game. What you have are, I believe it's four <laughs> or five blue dark nuts that are all walking around this room that have four statue heads in the corners that are all shooting fireballs at you. And effectively, you just have to sur- kill them and survive. There's two locked doors, one open door, and a bomb door that you came through. It's just chaos. Trying to dodge all four of the fireballs at once while lining yourself up for the right attack on the dark nuts. That you have to be in constant motion because if you stop for a, even a split second, you're you're gonna get hit. It's it's so difficult. One of the things that that we hadn't mentioned yet that kind of makes this harder than any other like newer types of games of the, like this is that you can't move diagonally. You can only move yeah. like up and then right or right and then up. So you can't kind of come in at an enemy at a certain angle. You have to kind you have to do this up. Upright, 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 yeah. in order to get this diagonal movement, and that that makes it a lot harder to position yourself. It's really tough. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and you can't you can't attack diagonally, but oddly enough, you can shoot your boomerang diagonally. Yeah, yep. mm-hmm. I think that's the only thing you can do diagonally. Here's what I found: the trick to that room we were talking about with all the dark nuts. I found that if you kill an enemy, and then you exit the room, and then you go back into the room, mm. the room doesn't entirely respawn. In fact, it actually keeps track of how many enemies you've killed. So what I would do is I would go down, I would kill everyone but one of the dark nuts, and then I would go die, and I'd go heal up to full, and then the dungeon would reset, and then I'd come back to that room, and there'd be only one dark nut spawned. Mm-hmm. Alamaxia, did you know about that? I did not know about that one. Yes, I got something up. Yeah, check it out. Check it out. Yeah, it it seems that like again, what happens when you when you die in the dungeon? It's like, hey, do you want to try again? And if you try again, the whole dungeon responds. But again, it seems to remember or keep track how many monsters were spawned in the room. So if you don't kill now, I will say if you kill them all, it will then respawn. But if you only kill like one or two, it keeps track of that. Again, I know that for a fact in dungeon eight. That was the case, but your mileage may vary in other dungeons. All right, so I finally found the power bracelet. Did you? I don't think you found this. Lois. No, I didn't. I didn't. It was just ah. under like one of the statues you kill. Yeah. Yep. It's yeah. under an armos. But it's not very useful. It just allows you to move around the world quicker. Does this oh. allow you to find any additional heart containers, Alamaxia? Oh, I'm trying to. I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to think. Okay. I, so throughout I don't the think world, there's these. I don't think it does. Throughout the world, there's these large, um, these large boulders that you can't move. Uh, but then you get the power bracelet, and uh-huh. when you move, and then when you move them, there'll be like a little secret passage that uh, says you go in there and it says choose a road, and you can choose like one of three roads, and each road will road 
will bring you to a different location. Uh, so you can kind of use it to fast travel around the overworld. So, so th this item is not necessary. And in fact, it's not even that exciting. So moving on, let's talk about Dungeon 9. Who wants to chat about Dungeon 9? Because I, I had so much fun on this one. It's so cool. Well, I'll mention something we haven't talked about just yet is that they have the idea of like dark rooms and they're dark yeah. until you use the candle or I guess the upgraded magical rod, which spawns a little flame. And then from that point on, you can see in that room, which is which is a pretty cool thing. And you don't need to see to get through the room. So you can optionally just truck right on through if you know what you're doing. Yeah, and in some ways, like Zelda 2, a lot of people, they forego that that light because they know exactly where the enemies are going to be <laughs> in the dark areas. So, yeah, it's cool. In some of the rooms, you can even see silhouettes of some of the blocks around. So it's it's like, you know, the candle is kind of a, it's, it's dim in here. I, I don't need it. But <laughs> some of the rooms are very blackened out, darked out to where you can only see Link and the mobs and... They can, some of them are a bit more complex to, to where if you don't use that candle, you might use your ladder and get stuck in the water. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. As far as Dungeon 9, you're not allowed in here until you have all the pieces of the Triforce, right? There's the old man at the beginning, and I can't remember exactly. Uh, no, I came in. I came in without it. I didn't no, 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 progress, but, but if you go into the second room of the ninth dungeon, the old man oh, is there, okay. and he, he doesn't let you through. I forget exactly what he says, because I went to Dungeon 9 uh, before I went to two and I went in and yeah. I was like, all right, let's go. But then you I want to beat the game now. Thanks, old man. <laughs> yeah. It says one who does not have Triforce can't go in. Oh, there you go. I love Dungeon 9. This is probably one of my favorites because there's so many secrets in here and you have to find the secrets to progress. And for some reason, it just reminds me of an old school Dungeon and Dragons thing where it's like, I'm just going to do my best guess here. And yeah, it just happens that if you, if you're reading the signs and you're looking at your map, because the map, the, the, the game does do an auto map for you. Even if you don't have the map itself, right? It, you can pull up the pause menu and you, oh, yeah, you can look yeah. at, it. here's all the rooms you've been. Yeah. And so you can start to make some intelligent guesses of like, well, it looks like there, there could be a room here. There's an empty spot here, which I haven't found yet. So I'm just going to try to bomb around it. And, mm -hmm. and often it's like, great, there you go. There's a secret room. This was the one time in the playthrough where I opted to go and farm some keys because you can buy yeah. keys from vendors and they're, I think they're just universal. You can use them in any dungeon. Mm -hmm. And you can also skip using keys in dungeons if you don't want, for example, the map or the compass if it's behind yeah. a key door. Uh, and then use them in later dungeons, which I think is really cool. And this dungeon, I feel like I missed so much. <laughs> I think I got pretty lucky in navigating it, but I bought key a, a couple of keys to to get me through it because man, there was a lot of I key think doors. I three keys, so yeah, I had to farm some gold there. But apparently, if I was better at finding things, there would have been a magic key, I think, in Dungeon 8, right, Almax? Yep, in Dungeon 8, oh. there was um, a blue dark nut room that you normally would have had to uh, just go to the right of them, and you were fine, and that took you toward the boss. But if you were to have bombed the wall above them, that would have taken you to another manhandler, I believe. Oh, okay. And okay. off of one of the sides of him, you could bomb to find another one of those uh, diamond rooms that have diamond blocks, the stairway in the middle. And that'll right. take you to the lion key, which uh, is will change your key number from a zero, one, two or three to an A. So it, over, it overflows the variable so that you have <laughs> infinite keys. No, that's not a, that's hexadecimal, my friend. <laughs> 
That is hexadecimal. Ah, that is awesome. not an overflow. <laughs> I, I, I'm guessing that. <laughs> uh, yeah, level nine is, I think, composed of four different areas that you kind of take stairwells in between. Is that is that right, Alamaxia? Is is it four oh. like, disjointed areas? Oh gosh, I it's it's four or five. I, I'm I'm looking at the map right now. It's one, two. It's <laughs> it's you go through. Uh, I think about four or five different yeah. areas. You're you're right. Yeah. So, so what that means is basically there's no way to get from, there's no straight path from the start of the dungeon to the end of the dungeon. You have to kind of find these secret things. And then when you come up from the secret ladder, you'll be teleported into a different part of the dungeon. And I just found the last item we need to complete the game, which is the silver arrow, which looks suspiciously blue, but I think it's called <laughs> silver arrow in the game. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that I needed this item and I was just lucky oh. enough to find it. We we covered uh, Legend of Zelda Link to the Past and that is all, it's the same strategy here. So yeah, I, I knew I needed to find those silver arrows. Yeah. So uh, let's skip ahead to the boss fight real quick. I had no idea what was going on. I go in here and you see Ganon, who's this big <laughs> pig monster. And by the way, the, the room is looks like a skull, which is pretty cool. So I go in there, and he just starts disappearing. I was like, what the heck am I supposed to do? So I just start stabbing all around. I was like, all right, well, it, it appears that every time I stab him, he's, like, visible for a period of time. So I think I'm doing mm-hmm. the right thing. That's good. And so I think I, I think I read someone talked about a silver arrow being the key to killing Ganon or something like that. I don't remember where I saw that, but one of the NPCs says something about a silver arrow, so mm-hmm. I was pretty sure I needed that. And after, I think it's three times that you make him visible, he, um, I guess, loses his power because he turns from blue to brown. Oh. And I was like, that's it. That's my cue. Shoot him with the, <laughs> the silver arrow. And sure enough, sure yes. enough, it worked. How did, how did, Lobos, how did your battle go with um, You know, it's, it's slightly different from the Link to the Past version, but... So the the one thing that I didn't immediately figure out was how to get him to appear. And so I kind of did the yeah. same thing as you. I spammed some bombs. I shot some magical rod. And eventually I just managed to attack where he appeared. Because it seems, I think he just teleports around, but invisibly. Mm-hmm. And then you can just attack him and then he'll appear. And then I need to go ham on the silver arrows. One thing that, <laughs> it's yeah. funny, I just watching it again, it's, it's so funny. You finish Gan- the Ganon fight, walk into the next room, and there's like <laughs> these flames What's that all about? Ne- nowhere else in the game do you have to do this, but you just attack the fo- the flames and they yeah. disappear. And I I imagine if you have like half a heart, you could walk into them and die, and then have to. I, do- I almost yep. wonder if that's. I almost wonder if that was the intent there, where you're so excited, you're like, I'm gonna plow through. Oh, and I die. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, so you you get the Triforce all over your head, and uh, you rescue the Princess Zelda, and uh, it rolls the credits real quick, and then it just says. Hey, congratulations. Another adventure starts here. And sure enough, you start and uh, you pick up the sword. And it's it's uh, the same basic mechanics, although a lot of the items and dungeons are shuffled around. Mm. And I think, Lobos, you made the mistake of naming your character Zelda. The very first, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. When I was first starting, I was just like, all right, what do I name him? And then people were like, yeah, oh, right. Zelda. And I was like, oh, yeah, I get yeah. it. Like the meme yeah. that Link is Zelda and this and that. <laughs> yeah, so, so I was like, cool, Zelda. I'll do that. And then people were like, <laughs> and I was like, what? What? I, I just saw a chat quest? like, he doesn't know, LOL. Oh. I was like, oh, Lobos. <laughs> okay, now I'm going to save you here, Lobos, because let's, uh, let's, let's do it the right way. But mm-hmm. yeah, you can basically skip to the second quest. Al Maxi, do you want to give us like a one minute 
synopsis on what the second quest is all about? Yeah, so th the second quest, um, objective is still the same. Find Ganon, defeat him, save Zelda. But a lot of the actual uh, game mechanics have been changed up, or they've even added new ones. There are now walls that you can walk through in dungeons. Ooh. So you have to push against the wall for a short time before Link Holy will go crap. through it. That's cool. Those wow. skull bubbles that uh, Lobos, you were like, oh, they're, yes. they're actually not too bad. Well, n now they hurt you and they shoot things at you. Oh, great. Um, Stalfos, the skeletons, will uh, shoot swords at you. Everything does mm. a lot more damage. Dungeons are moved around. Secret spots are moved around. Uh, really, it's it feels like an entire new game just yeah, in the same cool. engine it's 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 really good it yeah it feels like if they really quickly released a zelda 2 and it's like okay here you go zelda 2's out now now go buy <laughs> it go. and it's it, like oh okay it's same game but different right so <laughs> or in a way it, it feels like a randomizer to me because i have yeah, played too, through yeah. a couple of uh sure. a couple randomized uh zeldas uh zelda one and link to the past and it's it's always fun to me to play through a randomizer because these are games that i i love at the core just I can I've I can play through a link to the past almost every day for the rest of my life and still be happy. Yeah. But playing through it as a randomizer where every time I play through it, I still have that sense of discovery, that sense of who I really don't know where this item is. And I have to yeah. go and look around. So fun. So fun to, to recycle <laughs> these old games. I don't know. I, I I'm not joking. When I uh, finished level eight, I had a migraine from the dark. Oh, no. nuts. I literally, I, I don't get headaches a lot, but oh, I was like, no. oh, because because my head was hurting so much trying to concentrate on the pattern. So <laughs> I don't know. Your idea of being happy is a lot different than mine, Alan Axia, <laughs> but I'm glad you enjoyed this game. And again, this is one of those that, you know, I, I never actually completed. And this was always a monkey on my back as I got to it's Dungeon true. 9. And I never completed it. I'm so Ooh. gracious that you guys, uh, you know, spent this time and we picked this game to play and, and i finally checked something off my bucket list yeah so let's go ahead and close this out uh, lobos uh closing thoughts from you on zelda as this is not new to the zelda franchise mm -hmm, but certainly mm -hmm. new to uh the original zelda so walk me through just a high level what your thoughts are on this yeah with a whole lot of you know games kind of paying uh homage to zelda and its beginnings like there's a lot of stuff that going into it i was able to understand like oh yeah because they did this in this game that's that's from zelda cool <laughs> like even like the the recorder item that you use yeah. is it plays a little melody that they use in Super Mario Brothers 3, which is also uh -huh. where you get a whistle that warps you around the world. Yeah. And it's pretty cool. And so there's a lot of little references that I was like, oh, oh, nice, nice. Definitely, you know, retro difficulty, which is, you know, it, it wasn't too punishing, but it's definitely tough. Like if you die, mm -hmm. you start at the beginning of the dungeon and that's not too bad. Sometimes you had to go farm and get a, a health potion. But overall, it was... It was what I expected uh, in terms of difficulty and everything. Just I think it's fantastic for for when it came out, for all the exploration that's in it, and for what it spawned. Really, I love the little riddles. It's just you know that sense of exploration yeah, and yeah. discovery and trying to decipher stuff. I was like, yeah, this is great. Yeah. So, and I think we made the decision we're going to try to cover a, a Zelda game every holiday, and so I think there's some cool ones we'll get to do in the future. Nice. So, but that's going to close out this episode. We wanted to thank uh, all of our Patreon supporters for helping make this episode possible. We actually got two new supporters, so thank you so much. We got uh, uh, one from Saxy Jacks, and we got another one from Jay. So thank nice. you so much thank for you. helping support the show, folks. I uh, really appreciate it. And this was this was episode twenty-five, so I feel oh. like this is kind of a this is a cool little milestone, right? This, this yeah. Is great. yeah. 
a quarter of a century of podcasts. It, yeah, pretty much back to back. <laughs> yeah. Line up, it, if you yeah, if you line them up, it goes further than the moon. <laughs> wow, wow, that's yeah. impressive. Yeah. True fact. It's a lot of bites you put there. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm I'm super excited about our next game here because it's set in New York, right? And let's see uh, if we could all give our best, like scornful, scowling look right now, just like as angry as you can be. Okay, so that's basically it. that's basically the face of <laughs> the next protagonist. The entire game. <laughs> oh, it's so great. Uh, we're gonna be checking out Max Payne. Oh man, I uh, I'm so excited about this because I I remember just diving all around in slow motion, shooting shotguns. So uh, that's going to be a great one. And he's got this angry look. I don't know what the deal is. This dude is always angry looking. So well, he's always diving in slow motion. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... And and uh, and and hurting up his elbows. So he's he's very very unhappy about that. So uh, yeah, super excited, and we're going to be checking that out in January in the new year. So heck yeah, uh, look out for that. Also, look out for our Game of the Year deliberations, which should be arriving in podcast form uh, near the end of December here. Those will not be published on YouTube, so if you want to check out uh, what we deem as the best games, best graphics, best music of 2000, please uh, listen to the podcast. It's so much fun. I, I love chatting with you folks about that and Always i think you'll have fun listening to that yeah it was awesome especially with some special guest speakers like we yeah. had a lot of different views and opinions yeah. on these things so uh it was a lot of fun well sadly we have reached the end credits of this episode and we wanted to thank everyone for listening to us on the podcast or watching us on youtube and you can find us on youtube on lobos juniors youtube or you can find us on twitter at Saturday m gaming we do release a new podcast monthly, so you go to iTunes or Google, whatever you use, to follow and subscribe there. Also, one thing I did, I wanted to throw out there, oh. I actually purchased us SaturdayMorningGamingShow.com. Oh. That's a cool little thing, right, for episode 25. I was like, let's make this professional, so we all <laughs> quit our jobs, yeah. and this is our main gig now, Woo! Yes, uh, we're making it big. We got a dot com. Made it big. Heck yeah. Uh, that's gonna that's gonna be you know we're, we're not gonna use it to update too often. It'll probably just be a home for people to <laughs> view current episodes and stuff like that. It's kind of under construction. There's not a lot, whole lot there, but we could use that to basically always have like, hey, you want to get our 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 Discord, our Twitter, you know, our episodes, our YouTube, all will be linked there. So you don't have to remember all this stuff. You just go like SaturdayMorningGamingShow.com. Dot com. And uh, we, I, I spent $10,000 buying out that domain. <gasps> oh, my so. goodness. So, uh, yeah. Uh, well, Patron, actually, Patreon no, people, I did. you know Not what to that do. much. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, yes. So if you have any feedback for us, we'd love to hear from you. Shoot us an email at SaturdayMorningGamingShow at gmail.com. Yeah, and if one of your pieces of feedback is you'd like to buy a domain called SaturdayMorningGamingShow.com, I do have it for sale for $50,000. So Wait a minute. Your... <laughs> Wait. <laughs> All right. Uh, and again, we wanted to give a special shout out to Technoax for uh, much of the music on this episode. For Saturday Morning Gaming, I'm Alamaxia. And I'm Lobos. And I'm the Fat Wizard. We want to wish you all to have a happy holiday. Please stay safe out there, and we will see you in the new year with Max Payne on the PC.